Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. There aren't a lot of written accounts of the Black people who lived in the early American colonies up through the Revolutionary War. It's not that they weren't here, but the paper trail for people of African descent from this time largely consists of petitions for freedom from slavery, accounts of escape or attempted escape from enslavement, and records of execution. But accounts of one enslaved man named Onesimus, living in Boston in the early 18th century, tell the story of the person very likely responsible for saving hundreds of lives in the Boston smallpox epidemic of the early 1720s, as well as countless others affected by future outbreaks all over the colonies. Massachusetts was actually the first colony to give human slavery the moral and legal thumbs up, codifying the right to own human chattel in 1641. By the time Anismus was purchased for the famous Puritan minister Cotton Mather in 1706, there were about a thousand enslaved people living in Massachusetts and about a third of them living in Boston. Some of these people were indentured servants and not all were of African descent. Some were European and some Native American. However, the beginning of the 1700s saw the colonies putting more restrictions on black people and disproportionately binding them to slavery for life. No one knows Anismus's original name. Cotton Mather named him for a biblical slave who escaped his master and later converted to Christianity. Anismus was probably born in West Africa and brought to the colonies on a ship in his youth. Cotton Mather was an important Bostonian. His father, Increase Mather, was the president of Harvard, a job that Cotton later turned down because what he really wanted to do with his time was read and write. Mather was considered among the most educated people in the colonies, and he published upwards of 400 books in his lifetime on everything from piracy to plant hybridization. Mather was also a religious zealot. In the 1690s, he figured prominently in the Salem witch trials, earning himself the reputation of being extremely anti-witch. Mather lived in the city and did indeed spend most of his time reading and writing, so Anisimus's main jobs in the Mather household seemed to have been clearing snow, stacking firewood, carrying water, and doing chores around the house. However, Mather was extremely interested in converting Anisimus to Christianity, and he wrote in his diary about teaching him to read and write so that he could better understand the Christian catechism. Perhaps because Mather was so adamant about converting Anisimus to Christianity, the two seemed to have talked a lot. We spoke with Stephen Niven, executive editor of the African-American National Biography at Harvard's Hutchins Center for African and African-American Research. He said, It was a relationship between an owner and someone who was owned, but we know a lot more about Anisimus than we do about other African-Americans of the time because Cotton Mather's diary is very detailed. We know, for instance, that he had a son who died. We know, too, that Anisimus wanted to buy his freedom from Mather, which we can assume he eventually did. Mather's diary also details how sometime in the early 1700s, he and Onesimus had a conversation about the extremely deadly smallpox epidemics that swept through New England in the 40 years prior. At the time, smallpox was one of the deadliest diseases in the North American colonies, and Boston had been hit hard several times. According to Mather's diary, during one of these conversations, Onesimus made a remark that he wouldn't be getting smallpox if it came through Boston because he had been inoculated before he left Africa. The term inoculate didn't exist as such yet, but he explained to Mather that he had, to quote Mather's diary, undergone an operation which had given him something of ye smallpox and would forever preserve him from it, adding that it was often used among Africans and whoever had ye courage to use it was forever free from the fear of ye contagion. 
he described the operation to me and showed me in his arm the scar. The process Anisimus underwent back in Africa is now known as variolation, which was the deliberate infection with the disease in order to create immunity from it, and he explained to Mather that you could tell from the scar on someone's arm that they had been treated. Even people who were selling or purchasing people for slavery knew to look for the scar because that person was more likely to survive a smallpox epidemic and was therefore more valuable. Mather didn't act immediately on this information, but in 1720, when Boston experienced another smallpox outbreak, he remembered the conversation he had had with Anismus. Mather teamed up with a physician and campaigned to inoculate the people of Boston against the disease in the same way Anismus had been inoculated back in Africa. Niven said, Although Cotton Mather was a very important figure in Boston at the time, and people listened to him, most of the community was opposed to this idea for a couple of reasons— One is because this was a practice the Africans used. It wasn't used in Western Europe at the time, and people were very wary of that. Secondly, there was a newspaper in Boston called the New England Current, run by Benjamin Franklin's older brother, James. It mounted a slander campaign against Cotton Mather, saying it was ridiculous to think you could protect somebody from a disease by giving them the disease. In the end, 242 people volunteered for Mather's inoculation crusade, and only 2% of those people died in that smallpox epidemic, compared to 14% of the uninoculated population who died of smallpox in Boston between 1721 and 1723. When the word spread that those who were inoculated had a seven times greater chance of surviving, it became a common practice in Boston and the rest of the Americas until 1796 when Edward Jenner developed the first smallpox vaccination. What Anisimus thought of the part he played in saving the lives of countless colonists is unknown, because, according to Mather's diary and other documentation, he succeeded in conditionally buying his freedom around 1716. He bought Mather a replacement slave and agreed to do small jobs around the house when necessary. Though, as far as anyone knows, Mather never succeeded in converting Anisimus to Christianity. Today's episode was written by Jessalyn Shields and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other historical topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.